Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Um, we're, in a, we're in a series. Uh, this is our second week in a series, and we kind of made this series to combine with our 21 days of fasting. And uh, if you've been fasting with the church at South Coast Christian, uh, you should be on your eighth day. Uh, we started last Sunday, and hopefully you're doing well. Some of us are doing the Daniel fast. Some are fasting social media, whatever you feel called to fast. But the whole idea of our 21 day of fasting is this, is that we start to die to our flesh, and we start to come spiritually alive to Christ. That's the purpose, is to say no to certain things in our flesh so that all of a sudden our mind gets cleared and we start saying yes to more things of God. And I hope that this 21 days is going to be a, uh, just a life-changing experience for you. Last week I asked you guys to read Romans chapter 1 through chapter 8. And I hope you did that. It kind of tied to our message this coming week. I'm asking you to read the rest of Romans. It's about a chapter a day. You might have to double up on one, one day. But I believe as we continue to read God's word, as we can continue to pray, as we continue to sacrifice, guess what? God will do the impossible in your life. And I'm believing it for my life, and I hope you're believing it for yours as well. Amen? Amen. So we're continuing a series. It's called Resistance. And uh, many times, we, the whole purpose of this series is to build up a resistance to the, em- the schemes of the devil. And I'm sorry, Echo Jehai, you guys are dismissed. So there you go. That was not that they just didn't like my message anymore and they just got up and left. No, they, it's Echo Jehai. So guys, uh, you're dismissed. Awesome. Thanks for being here. We have a great group of uh, junior hires that are on fire for God. So it's exciting to see them. Uh, but the purpose of this message is to help us to build up resistance against the schemes of the devil. Many times we live life forgetting that we have an adversary. Do you know that you have an adversary? In fact, Peter writes in 1 Peter 5.8, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Can I share with you? Don't be the one that gets devoured. Don't allow it to be the weak one that, that, what, that's always running in the last of the pack where all of a sudden the lion says, hey, that one's getting away from the group. I think I can take that one down. Don't be the weak one. It reminds us that we have a responsibility to, re, to build up a resistance against the enemy, against his plans, against his attack. The enemy is deceptive and attacks us in areas that we least expect it. He uses unconventional, unexpected ways to attack our lives. So we must be prepared. It's not that we run run in fear. We have faith in Jesus Christ. But we still have to be alert. The devil is in warfare against the people of God. It's kind of like the whole Star Wars thing if you look at Guess what? We have an adversary and he is in direct warfare with the people of God. Last week I shared... The very first step that we take in building the resistance against the enemy is the foundation of belief. If you weren't here last week, you didn't hear the message, man, I really encourage you to go to the podcast or the video cast and watch that and and, and hear the very first message. Because the, the whole idea of that, building that foundation, is to believe that God is real. You gotta believe that God is real. If you're gonna, if you're gonna be successful as a Christian, as a follower, follower of Jesus, you gotta believe that God is real. You gotta believe that His word is true. 
what you read and what you see and what you hear, you got to believe that his word is true and it trumps anything else. you got to believe that he loves you and that he has a plan for your life. That's the foundation that we have to start off to build a resistance against the enemy. This week, I want to stand, I want to focus on standing our ground when the enemy comes against you. Standing our ground when the enemy comes against you. Remember our theme verse. This is kind of the theme verse for this three-week series. James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Notice that James doesn't say that we're supposed to flee from the devil. See that? It doesn't say that we're supposed to flee from the devil. It says resist him, and he will flee from you. Now, this doesn't mean that there's times in our life that we're, not, that we're supposed to flee from sin. There's, t- there's things in the Bible when it comes to, like, sexual immorality. Yeah. Man, don't hang around that. Man, if all of a sudden you're being tempted in some area of sex, guess what? You're, spo- you're called to flee from that. But we are never called to flee from the devil. We are called to stand our ground, and he is to flee from us. Yeah. This is an important truth to grasp for our lives. We are never called to run in fear. We are Christians. We are followers of Christ. We are to be filled with faith. Man. I remember when I was in Little League as a little kid, and uh, we, we had this team. I played for St. Thomas More, and, and uh, I didn't go to the Christian school. I went to the public school, but for some reason I was a part of this team. And, and so I was playing on this team, and, and one, of the, one of the kids that was uh, on the team, uh, he had, I think his dad was like the assistant coach or the coach, and, and he had the biggest mouth this kid did, just like his dad, to be honest with you. I mean, he could tell off anybody, and he would start yelling at the kids, and he would start playing, not with our team, but with the opposing team. He would start playing mind games with them, but it was all good until all of a sudden someone stood up against him. When the opposing team player all of a sudden stood up, all of a sudden this kid cowered, and he would run crying away from it, and uh, as our as teammates, we always got embarrassed by our team player because he could never stand his ground. He was all talk and no action. The devil is very similar. As soon as someone stands up against him with the truth of God, he becomes fearful and runs away. He's not fearful of you. He's fearful of the presence that resides in you. He's fearful of Jesus Christ. He's fearful of God. We are not called to surrender to the enemy's plans. We are called to stand and to resist the plans of the enemy. What does it look like to stand against the enemy? If someone comes up to to you and fights you, all of a sudden someone comes up and you get into altercation, and he comes up against you. If, if you, if you, as soon as that person comes up, if you take two steps back and go like this, you've lost. You've already lost the battle. You could have the greatest, you know, phrase. You could say, man, I'm going to hit you so hard that when you wake up, your clothes will be out of style. You know, you can do whatever you want to do. You can make that statement. But if you're in this position, guess what? Your words mean nothing. You see, Our words have to be backed up with action. 
And we are called by the word of God to stand up against the enemy's actions. Paul tells us, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. You see, your actions have to confirm what your spirit knows is true. I'm going to say it again because it went right over some of you guys. Your action has to confirm what your spirit knows is true. If your spirit knows that the word of God is true and that he is faithful and that he is just and he's gonna, he loves you, if, he, if your spirit knows that, but your actions say something different, they don't match up, guess what? You're going to lose the battle every time. It's just like the person that's cowarding in a fight. He can say all, he can say all the great things he wants to, but if he doesn't understand, we're in the NFL playoffs right now. My Seattle Seahawks are playing today against the Green Bay Packers. It's okay. Now, I could listen to the hearsayers. I could, I could all of a sudden visually see, you know, Kelly walking with his Green Bay Packer uh, jersey on. You know, he's huge. He's walking with that Green Bay Packer jersey. And I can get fearful. I can know that, that we haven't won in Lambeau Field eight times in a row. I can understand all that stuff. But you know what? For my team, I'm going to stand up in faith. But here's the thing. I don't know if they're going to win or lose. I'm going to have faith that they're going to win. But here's the thing I do know. God is going to win. And I can have complete faith and confidence in that game that God is going to win. We are called to stand up against the enemy and stand in Christ's righteousness. Standing in Christ's righteousness means that we stand knowing that we are holy and righteous, not because of anything you or I have done, but because of what Christ has done for us. It's choosing not to live in fear, but to choose to live in faith because the power of Christ resides in you. His spirit lives alive in you if you're a follower of Christ. We don't stand alone. We stand in his strength. The Greek word that the Apostle Paul uses for fight is a word that is used to describe an athletic competition or a military conflict. That's the word when, he, when it talks about standing or for fight. It's described to happen to athletic competition. It carries the idea of engaging in battle. In battle, a good soldier remains focused on winning the battle. They are not easily distracted. When you're in battle, if all of a sudden you're distracted, guess what? The enemy is going to take you down. You need to be aware. You need to be aware of what's happening around you. You need to be aware with when you're at home and you're flipping through the channels and then all of a sudden you see something and you just pause. You need to be aware of what's going on right there. You need to be aware of where, when all of a sudden you get confronted by something and it's just easier to say the lie because it's going to get you out of the situation and all of a sudden you pause. You need to be aware of what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to take you down. You see, the little things in life we don't pay a lot of attention to. But God wants us, wants us to pay attention to the little things because the, because the enemy is roaring like a lion looking for the weak one that he could take down. We don't stand in our strength, thank God. We stand in his strength. In the middle of these football playoffs, man, there's a lot of mind games that are going on. We can't play the mind games, guys. 
I mean, it's amazing to me watching the playoff games and all of a sudden, you know, right in a crucial time at the end of the game, all of a sudden someone makes a mistake. They go off and all of a sudden they slug someone or they, they do something stupid in a 15-yard penalty. They're backed up. And it's all because of what was happening beforehand. Richard Sherman is one of the greatest smack talkers in the NFL. He played for the Seahawks. Now he plays for the 49ers. He will, he will, he will smack talk the entire game just waiting for the opportunity when he all of a sudden says something about the other guy's mama. And all of a sudden that guy responds. said, you're not going to say anything about my mama like that. And all of a sudden he responds because he all of a sudden loses focus. He's playing for the moment instead of playing for the game. He loses focus, boom, yellow flag comes out, 15-yard penalty, they lose the game, all because all of a sudden he's not, he doesn't have his mind engaged in the game. We need to be aware of what's happening around us. The devil does the same thing. He's scheming against you, and you need to learn to stand by not responding to his ploy. We have to keep the bigger picture in focus. We don't react wrongly. We don't quit. We remain focused. We stand against the schemes of the enemy. Remember, your eternity is at stake. And the eternity of others are at stake. Because when they're watching you, we're playing a big game here, guys. We're playing a big game. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you ever played a game to lose? Annette and I like to play games in the evening sometimes. Can I say something about your pastor's wife? She hates to lose. Hates to lose. She is competitive. She hates to lose. We don't like to lose. Now, some of you grandparents, maybe, maybe you know, you're playing with your grandchildren. Maybe you played. A, but even you, some of you grandparents don't plays to lose with your two or three-year-old grandchildren. You'll, you'll make them submit, man. You make them lose, man. They got to learn how to win. I'm not going to let them just win. They got to learn how to win. You play. See, it's in our nature we play to win. But I don't understand in the game of life, and I'm not talking about the board game of life. I'm talking about the real game of life, why we play to lose. Oh, man, I got quiet all of a sudden. Am I preaching too hard today? Matt, am I okay? Okay, I got scared all of a sudden. I got, woo. But I see it all the time. There's times I see it in my life. And I have to hit myself on the side of the head and say, what are you doing, Westerfield? Well, I get really mad at myself. I call myself Westerfield. You got to play this game to win, not to lose. This is, this is the game of life that means all of eternity for your life, let's play to win. I want to read a passage of scripture with, for you today, and it's in Ephesians chapter 6. It's probably the number one scripture used when referring to spiritual warfare. It's Ephesians 6. We're going to read verses 10 through 17. It's the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. And it's a great word about spiritual warfare. And it's about the armor of God. And let me start off in verse 10. A final word, Paul says. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm, stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authority of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. 
then after the battle, you will be able to be standing, standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. When my kids were little, my wife purchased them the armor of God. And I still remember them running around the house with the armor of God, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth. And they were running around every corner of the house attacking the enemy, taking down the devil everywhere as they go. They were having a blast taking down the enemy. But one of the very interesting truths that is often missed in this scripture is that the purpose of the armor of God is for us to stand. It doesn't appear that it's for the purpose of attacking, although I think there's certain times, and I'll talk about that, but for the most part, the purpose of the armor of God is to help us stand. The Greek word used carries the meaning to stand firm, to make a stand. An old battle terminology that was often used was, they have fallen to the enemy meaning that they have been defeated. They are no longer standing. As followers of Jesus, we are called to stand, so we are called to win. How do we stand? How do we win the battle? According to Ephesians 6, by putting on the full armor of God. What does the armor of God look like? And how do we put it on? Have you ever wondered that? We talk about it all the time. Man, you need to put on the armor of God. But then do we ever explain that? How do we put on the armor of God? You put on the armor of God by putting on Christ. It's Christ in your life. It's his presence in your life. He is your armor of God. It is Jesus Christ. That's how you put on. You're calling not on your strength. The reason you put on Christ is because of his strength. Not your strength, his strength in your life. I want to take a closer look at the armor of God and see how it helps us to stand and resist the attacks of the enemy. And today we got six, and I'm going to go through them fast, so don't panic here all of a sudden. But I got six points, which is all basically with the armor of God, each piece of the armor of God. And you'll notice something that I have attached a scripture to each point. And I did that, I'm not reading those scriptures, I did that for your sake. So as you're taking notes, if you want to write down that scripture that goes along with that piece of armor, the whole purpose of that is this. It's to show you in scripture that Jesus is your armor. Every scripture points out that he is our peace. You understand? He is our shield of faith. Understand? He, He is the spirit of truth. And so I've given you the scriptures so that you can look at that. You might want to study that this week because you know what? You, don't, you shouldn't only be in the word of God on Sunday. Okay, here we go. Enough of that. The first piece of the armor mentioned is the belt of truth. John chapter 14, 6 is what I have, and I'm not going to read it today, but you can look that up. The belt of truth is the first thing that you put on. When the, when the soldier was getting ready and getting dressed, one of the things that, not the first thing you put on, but one of the things that you put on is the belt of truth. And the key to the belt of truth is this. When you put on a belt, it holds everything else in place. I got a belt today. 
I don't know why I didn't even think about this, but I tucked my shirt in today. Maybe that was so, maybe the Spirit of God told me to tuck my shirt in today so I, you could see my pretty brown belt. But without my belt, guess what? My pants will fall down. Without my belt, my shirt doesn't stay tucked in. My belt is very important. To a weightlifter, guess what? A belt, a, a weightlifting belt helps support their lower back. It helps to support their core when they're lifting all that weight. It's the core, it supports the core of that being. Guess what? The belt of truth supports your core. Guess what? The belt of truth should be wrapped around all of who you are. Why should that be? Because truth helps you discover what is false. How do you know what is false if you don't know the truth? You need the belt of truth surrounded around your being at all times. Truth is what defends us from the lies of the enemy. It helps us stand against false, false accusations. I can say that word, accusations. It helps us to stand against it. If you don't know truth, you can't defend yourself. But with the belt of truth, guess what? It keeps the core of who you are planted and destined, and it keeps you standing. Amen. The Bible says that we are to rejoice in the truth. Hallelujah. Many people live under a false pretense. They have chosen to make up their own rules to play by that are not built upon the truth of God's word. It might, it, it might make them feel good for the moment, but they are living under a false pretense that eventually will crumble. Think about this. Can you imagine someday explaining to God why you decided to follow your own rules? Can you imagine explaining to God why you, well, see, God, I read your rules, and it just really didn't fit my lifestyle. So I had to make a few modifications of the rules, God, just because it didn't fit who I am, and I know you're God and everything, but, man, I was having a hard time living my lifestyle like I wanted to, and so I just made a few little tweaks. Can I tell you something? That's not going to work. It's just not going to work. God's truth is the only way to victory. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There is no other way to the Father except through me. That's the way. Choosing to live in God's truth is what gives you the support to stand against the lies of the enemy. you got to know truth. When all of a sudden you know one of the things that a while back when we were called to Las Vegas from Seattle and we went to Las Vegas and, and, and I knew God was calling us and, and I fought that call for nine months and man, I was struggling that call and then all of a sudden I come from Seattle with beautiful evergreen trees and beautiful gorgeous mountains and Mount Rainier over there, Mount Hood over there. You can see all these things and, and all of a sudden you don't see your neighbors because you got evergreen trees, you know what I'm saying? So you, you, it's not like, and also I drop into this valley of two million people where all the houses look the same. I didn't even know how I was going to find my home because they all looked the same. I didn't know how I was going to get home some days, you know. And I'm living in this Vegas valley, and I'm hating life. Do you know what kept me moving forward? Because I heard God call me to Vegas. And when the enemy tried to attack me and said, what are you doing in 110 degree weather when you've been 40 years all of a sudden in frigid temperature with rain, your body can't adjust to this. I was putting lotion on everywhere as I could find because I was drying out. I struggled for a year. 
And over and over and over again, it was the belt of truth, knowing God called me for a purpose and for a plan. And I stood upon that calling. I stood, stand strong. I will not be defeated. I don't care what the enemy plans to attack. I don't care what he throws at me. I am standing here. The belt of truth. The truth will set you free from the lies of the enemy. Reminds me of American Idol contestant who is a horrible singer. You've seen him. (laughs) National TV. Oh, I feel so bad. Sometimes you just have to turn the channel. It's so bad. You feel so bad because they believe someone told them at some point in their life that they were a great singer. And from that point forward, they believed they were a great singer. And they're a horrible singer. And what's happening is they're hanging on to a false pretense of a lie from the enemy. I'm telling you the truth. And their enemy was their mom. Okay. (laughs) Moms, don't do that to your poor kids. But it's not until all of a sudden they grab a hold of the truth that they can leave that behind so that they can find the destiny that they're called for. It's the same thing in the Christian life. If we be- believe the lies of the enemy, all of a sudden we start living in our false pretense and we never step into the destiny that God has called us to. The goal of the gospel is to share the truth of God's love to people and to set them free from the lies. The second armor that Paul talks about is this. The breastplate of righteousness. How does righteousness help me resist temptation? Think about this thought. If you always feel that you don't measure up to God's standard, which you don't, but if that's all you ever feel, then eventually you might just stop trying. You might just give up. It's like me trying to be a horse jockey. I have this dream of winning the Kentucky Derby. Guess what? It's not going to happen. I'd have to cut a foot off of me and lose about 100 pounds to even have a chance at it. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to take place. I can't live up to that standard. Trying to live up to God's perfection is impossible for you and me. It's impossible. It's, it, it's not that we don't try, but you're just, it, you're just not going to make it. You're not going to live up to the standard that Christ has. But when I put on the breastplate of righteousness... When I put on Christ's righteousness onto my life, guess what? It's no longer me standing in my own strength. I am standing in the strength of Christ's righteousness in my life. That guarantees me victory. I'm not standing in my own righteousness. If you looked at the armor of a Roman soldier, which Paul, FYI, this is the reason why Paul's using this whole illustration is because he's being guarded by a Roman soldier, a centurion soldier with all, of it, all the garment. He's, he's seeing it each and every day. He's realizing the breastplate. He's seeing the helmet. He's seeing all the, all the garment. That, and he's putting the imagery of what the Spirit of God is in his life. That's why he's sharing all this. But if you looked at a Roman soldier, which is the imagery that Paul is referring to, the breastplate was designed to protect the, the vital organs, the heart. It was designed to protect your vital organs, especially your heart. Jesus gives us his righteousness to protect our heart from being overwhelmed by the power of sin. I'm going to say that again. Jesus gives us his righteousness to protect our heart from being overpowered by the, by the power of sin. And as we, this is what's so cool about this. 
as we continue each and every day to put on the breastplate of righteousness, which is Christ in us, we walk in his righteousness, guess what starts to happen? All of a sudden, his righteousness just starts to wear on us. See, when you hang around somebody, all of a sudden, you're going to start turning into that person. Trust me. If you hang around a negative person all the time, you will start becoming negative. If you hang around a positive person, you'll become more positive in your life. When you hang around the righteousness of Christ, all of a sudden, his righteousness not only is what you stand on, but it becomes closer and closer to what your righteousness is. The next armor I want to share with you today is the shoes of the gospel of peace. When we put on the armor of God, we put on the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace provides a strong foundation by which we stand. Understand that we no longer live in conflict with God. That's what the, if, you've ever, if you've heard the terminology of the gospel of peace and you never understood what it meant, it means that because of Jesus Christ, we no longer are an adversary to God. We are no longer living in conflict with God, but we can live at complete peace with our Heavenly Father because of Jesus Christ. In fact, when you choose to follow God, you know what Scripture says? Scripture says when you choose to follow Jesus, you are a friend of God. You are God's friend. The shoes of peace will help you navigate and avoid the unnecessary lion minds and the, the great conflict that can come into your life. Peace will naturally help you make wise decisions and resisting the temptation of the enemy. Peace is a powerful defensive weapon for your life when you stand in the peace knowing that there's nothing between you and your heavenly father. Not because of anything, get this, is not because of anything you've done, but it's because of what Christ has done for you. And now all of a sudden, even if you make a mistake, you're still at peace with God. You see, so many people, when they make a mistake, they run from God because all of a sudden they don't feel at peace with God. That's you, not God. Because he sees you through Christ's righteousness. What he wants you to do is to forget about the sin and just keep walking after him. Not that we shouldn't be repentive. I'm not saying that. Lord, I'm sorry. But man, he's going to, just like a good father would, he's going to pick you right back up and say, it's okay, let's go. Come on. I've already paid the price for that. Come on, now let's move forward this direction. He's setting you free from the bondage of sin. The shoes of the gospel of peace also depicts the idea of a military advancing into the enemy territory to rescue and bring peace to a nation. It's choosing to stand for righteousness. It's choosing to restore what was lost. That's what Jesus did when he came to this earth. He brought peace into the earth. We, as followers of Christ, are called to stand for our neighbors, for our friends, forever, for fellow people who don't know Christ. And we are called to try to bring peace into their situation. We are to bring the gospel of peace into their lives. Jesus told his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. What did, he, what did Jesus say? Preach what? Preach the gospel to all creation. Sometimes we get confused on that. But some, what Jesus wants us to do is preach the good news of who he is, that he has died on the cross, was resurrected again, and he has set you free from your sins. You no longer have to be bound by sin. You can be free through Jesus Christ. The fourth armor mentioned is the shield of faith. Paul states that we are to hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. This is how we resist, build a resistance in our life. 
Our faith helps us overcome the deceit and the lies that the devil hurls at us. The enemy wants you to instill doubt into your life. He wants you to doubt God's word. Remember last week I talked about doubting started all the way back in the, in the garden with Adam and Eve when they doubted God's word and they took from the fruit of the tree of life. Or good and evil. We overcome those lies that create doubt with the shield of faith. Hebrews 12 states that we are to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Meaning this, our faith begins with Jesus and our faith is completed by Jesus. It begins and ends with Jesus. A Roman soldier had a shield. That shield was taken into battle. That shield wasn't a small shield. Some of those shields, if you've ever seen any of the movies, some of those shields were the size of a door. Pastor Tom, why would they need such a big, big shield? When they walk into the battle, all of a sudden the enemy, they would take their fiery, their dart darts, it could be, or their arrows, and they'd shoot them up in the air. They wouldn't shoot them this way. They'd shoot them up in the air. And arrows would rain down on them. And with those big shields, they could hold those shields up. It would cover their entire body, and it would protect them from the fiery arrows. And it's, most of the time, those shields were made out of wood. And then they would, put, they would put animal skin over the top of that, and they would soak that animal skin in water. So when the fiery darts hit the shield, guess what? It didn't burn the shield up. It actually extinguished the fiery arrow. When the devil throws his fiery darts, his fiery arrows into your life, if you have a shield of faith that God has given you through Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter how big the fire, whatever comes out, guess what? When he hits the shield of faith, guess what? Jesus is going to extinguish that fire from your life. But you got to have faith to believe it and to put trust in Jesus Christ. Our faith is a shield that extinguishes the lies of the enemy and he specifically designed it for you and for me. The fifth armor mentioned here is a helmet of salvation. This is for the protection of your mind. Your mind must be able to discern between good and evil. You must know the difference between truth, spiritual truth and deception. Because it will be in your mind. Catch this. Listen to this thought. The battle will be won in your mind. In your thought life. That's where the, where the battle will either be lost or it will be won, is in your mind or in your thought life. The helmet of salvation is knowing the truth of God and protecting your mind from all the lies. It's a vital piece of the armor. Remember, faith and doubt don't reside together. They don't commingle. They don't like each other. Faith and doubt don't like each other. If you go into the grocery store and faith sees doubt, faith leaves and goes to another place. If they go into the supermarket and doubt sees faith, doubt leaves and goes to another place. They don't commingle. They don't like one another. They hate one another. They don't, they don't mix. Following Jesus is choosing to overcome your doubts with faith. With the faith of God's word. And sometimes that can be a battle. But can you imagine a soldier going into battle, trembling in fear? With every move, movement, he's hesitant. He's like, and he's trying to... You know, he has this big old sword. He's trying to figure out what to do. He's hesitant. Have you ever, how many of you seen the movie Gladiator? Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> Russell Crowe, come on. 
Do you remember the one scene when all of a sudden they're standing, they're, they're in that tunnel, and they're about ready to meet the gladiators, and they're chained up with a partner so that everybody's chained together? And there's this one big guy that he's super handsome. All you women lusted after that guy. He's standing there real tall, you know, it's built biceps all over the place. And, and, and he's standing there, and he's chained up with this one guy that's just trembling in fear. Do you remember that scene? All of a sudden the guy wets himself. You remember that? And everybody kind of stands back, and he's trembling in fear. And when the doors open, he lasts for about 3.5 seconds because he hesitates. He doesn't walk in faith. He walks in fear. And the first sword pierces right through him. The big guy cuts off his arm and he keeps on fighting and goes on to win the battle. A follower of Christ must believe that salvation has won. That the battle is over. That only victory lies ahead. That's what faith is. Is understanding what Jesus Christ did for you and for me. And stopping the doubt and putting our faith. I don't care what you see right now. The battle is won. I don't care if we think the world is falling apart. The battle is won. Jesus has already defeated the enemy. And is putting on. Yeah, come on. If you want to give a. Come on. Is putting on the helmet of salvation, aligning our thoughts up with the thoughts of God. Putting our helmet of salvation on gives us the confidence to lift up our head and put our eyes on Jesus. Last armor, the sword of the Spirit. The sword represents the Word of God. It's the weapon that represents the greatest power that we have in our life. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Roman officer, the centurion, he would have a sword. If he would have pulled out that sword, you would discover that it had a double-edged sword on it. The reason it was double-edged is because he could swing either direction and it would cut. It didn't matter which way he swung, it would cut. And it also, if he wanted to penetrate, if he wanted to go through something with a double edge, he can go right through most anything in battle, even through some shields. He would take it and he'd use it. It was a powerful weapon. Just the weight of the sword would knock the enemy off their, off their stance. He could use that weapon. The sword was designed to be a powerful weapon that helped you stand your ground and defeat the enemy. It was also a weapon that was used to restore ground that had been taken. It served both, this is the only weapon that served both offensively and defensively. It's the one piece of the armor that the soldiers had to become familiar with. You could put on the shield. You could put on the helmet. You didn't need a lot of training to do that. You could put on the shoes of peace. It didn't need a lot of training. But man, when it came to all of a sudden picking up the sword of the Spirit, it needed training. They would work day, night. They would practice. They would fight one another. They would get used to knowing how that sword felt in their hand. They would get used to the weight of the sword and how it would swing through the air. They would understand their sword because it was a weapon that they could use not only to defend themselves, but if they had to defend themselves by attacking, they could do so. It was a weapon of protection, the sword of the Spirit. The more time spent training with the sword, the more effective you would become. The more time training with the sword, the more effective you become.
Some people think that the word of God is like the sword. It's called that in the Bible. It's true. But they think that they can just take up the Bible, wave it around once in a while, put it back down, and it's going to defend them. They think because they know John 3, 16, that's where I'm going to stand on. You see, if you don't know your weapon, if you don't know what the weight of that weapon feels like, if you don't know what it feels like when it goes through the air as you swing it, if you don't know what the grip of the handle feels like and where it gets comfortable in your hand, guess what? It's going to be really, really hard when you get into battle to defend yourself. You see, we need to know the Word of God. We need to have confidence in God's Word. We need to read God's Word. We need to read line by line by line and let it get into our spirit. We need God's revelation to come alive through the power of the Spirit. It's the Spirit of God with the Word of God that makes it come alive in us. And all of a sudden, now we have an effective weapon. We have a powerful weapon that can be used. But all of a sudden, you try to pick up this... You try to pick up the sword, and you've never felt it before. Man, all of a sudden, you're just getting nailed. And you have no confidence with it. Instead of picking it up with faith, you pick it up with fear. Man, this thing is heavy. Wow. This is really, boy. We need to have confidence in God's word. You need to know God's word. So that all of a sudden, when that stupid enemy shoots its little mini dart at you, it won't take you down. Or maybe it's a huge, massive missile coming at you. Feels like life is going to be destroyed. Guess what? The sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith, it'll protect you. But you got to know what that sword feels like in your, in your hand. To be effective with God's Word, then you need to become familiar with God's Word. If you want to take down strongholds in your life, if you feel like the enemy's been attacking you in areas of your life, man, I've talked to people in our church today. It's amazing. I get texts from people, Pastor Tom, you won't believe what happened to me this week. Man, I was, I was dealing with this, and all of a sudden, man, God's word came alive to me. And all of a sudden, I, mean, I just felt so strong. I'm overcoming those thoughts that I used to have. Pastor, I have people in this church that are understanding God's word like never before. They're reading it. It's penetrating their hearts in such a way that all of a sudden it's becoming a weapon for their lives. I challenge you today, practice it daily. Read your word. Put on the armor of God. Then go into battle. Because then, guess what? You have a resistance to stand against the enemy's attacks. Before we end, how do we put on the armor of God? Let's say it together because I want to make sure this is the one thing I want to drill home. How do we put on the armor of God? Armor of God? I want to hear it real loud. How do we put on the armor of God? We put on Jesus. Let's say it again. We, how do we put on the armor of God? We put on Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that it is powerful. It is effective. We can have complete confidence and faith in your word. You've given it to us as a tool, Lord God, as an instrument, as a weapon, a weapon of defense, but also, God, a weapon that can defeat the enemy at any time of attack. I pray, Lord, that we would learn your word in a new and a fresh way like never before. 
that, Lord God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, your word will come alive into our lives. We thank you for what you're doing in and through us. Every head bowed, eyes closed for just a moment. If you're here today and you see, it seems like every day is a battle for you. And I've been there. I have been there. Every day just seems like, man, am I going to be defeated? Man, you walk in fear. Met with a lady this morning who's battling cancer. Her first chemo treatment is tomorrow morning. Guess what? That can bring fear into your life. Maybe a boss told you, hey, you're no longer needed. It brings fear in your life. Maybe your spouse all of a sudden, hey, I'm tired of you. It brings fear in your life. See, we can walk in fear or we can choose faith. The Bible says put on the armor of God because the armor of God will protect you. If you're here today and you just want to signal to God and signal to myself because I want to say a prayer for all of you. And you say, Pastor Tom, man, I'm in a battle right now. And man, I'm doing my best, Pastor Tom, to walk in faith. But man, I could use prayer. And Pastor Tom, I just need the armor of God on my life. And if that's you, raise your hand real high because I want to pray with you. Lord Jesus, you see every hand here today. I pray in Jesus' name, God, this week we put on Christ in a new and a fresh way than ever before. We might get up in the morning on a normal day and we pray, we do our things, but God, there's times where we just don't feel your presence. And I pray, God, today, people who are battling, Lord God, difficulties in their life, circumstances that they weren't prepared for, and things all of a sudden, these thoughts start coming against them. I pray, God, today they put on Christ. Tomorrow they put on Christ. Wednesday they put on Christ. Thursday, Christ. Friday, Christ. Saturday, Christ. Lord God, that we put on your armor. And God, I pray that your protection would be upon them so that they can stand and be a witness of your goodness and your love. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.